Welcome, everybody, f- to the Men for Life podcast. To, uh, my name is Andrew Jacoby, and I got with me my co-pilot, uh, co-creator of the Men for Life podcast, Pete DeMaio. Pete, say hello. Hey, hey. And John Chavarelli is our guest. John, hello, say hello. hello. We've got a wonderful guest today, so what we're going to do is we're going to get deep with John, and we're really excited for him to come on in, another member of uh, the RCIA experience, so special place in my heart but as always we are going to start in prayer and uh pete you're the you're our you're our go-to prayer guy all right so uh pete why don't you lead us in prayer and then we'll get into john's story and 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 inspiration so come holy spirit come i'm really really pumped about this one me too Um, amen i am because john you have a powerful powerful testimony so i'm pumped 100 percent. there's gonna be a lot here we we were hunting you man we were hunting you so let's yeah let's begin in prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen Amen. hail holy queen mother of mercy our life our sweetness and our hope to thee do we cry poor banished children of eve to thee do we send up our sighs mourning and weeping in this valley of tears turn then most gracious advocate thine eyes of mercy towards us and after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit, thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Pope John Paul the Great, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. So, John, um, we really appreciate you taking the time to come in today to the Men for Life podcast. And as we were talking a little bit before, um, sort of purpose of the podcast is to talk to men, especially young men, about creating a culture of life Mm -hmm. from natural, from conception to natural death. And also, especially the, the last few episodes have talked a lot about what the world offers and the message that the church offers in terms of living our lives. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, maybe your faith journey a little bit, because there's a lot of, um, we want to try to influence and inspire young men. So any stories of, of, uh, of hope can, I think, really, really serve in that way. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Give us a little bit about your faith background. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much time we have, but... Um, <laughs> as much as you need. It's been a journey. It's been, a, it's been an absolute journey. Um, I come from a background of, um, mostly, uh, the Italian ethnicity. So Catholicism has been in my life since, uh, Chavarelli, I, really? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> who, who knew? Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up, um, or at least in my childhood anyway, um, I attended church sporadically. Um, when I was, when I was made to go, uh, mainly by my father, when I was with him on the weekends, my parents were divorced. So, um, you know, my mother is a believer as well. Um, but you know, when, when I was at my father's house, that's when, uh, I think it was, um, just, uh, a little bit more of, of his side of the family's, um, way of living that you showed up to mass on Sundays and, um, Where know, was that, John? St. Eugene's in, in Seacane, okay. Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. So Delaware County. Um, I ended up you know, making most of my sacraments. Uh, well, yeah, I made my sacraments of initiation there. Um, and, you know, when I was younger, it, it, 
none of it was habit. I had no idea what was going on. Um, you know, I just did it, um, you know, because I was made to do it. Um, you know, and, and as, um, as I got older and, um, you know, started to think a lot more uh, for myself, as young men tend to do, uh, and break off from um, the authority figures in their life. Um, We're familiar, John. <laughs> yeah, we. You, this is not surprising. Yeah. Part this of is the, the story. Men for Life podcast. <laughs> yep. yep. So, right. Yeah, Andrew and I, we know that story well. <laughs> right. When the Sackos said they didn't do that, we were surprised. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Like, we loved them even more because of it. <laughs> like, really? That exists? Yeah. Not doing that? Go ahead. Sorry, John. Oh, wonderful couple they are. Um, yeah, when, when I decided that, um, you know, I was going to be uh, the, uh, the main player in my life, um, it, was, it was very young. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, uh, 11, 12 years old where um, just the things that I saw around me, I uh, didn't didn't um, jive with what, you know, was being told to me by the people that I looked up to. Um, and, you know, uh, aside from, you know, other things that uh, had happened uh, in my childhood, um, you know, seeking um, fulfillment in, in, you know, externality or external, um, external places, things um, to, to try to fill some kind of uh, hole or, or, as I understand them now, wounds that, um, you know, I had, uh, I had obtained on, on the journey as we all do, as all Christians and, and Catholics do and know well. Um, and, you know, from the time I made my, my confirmation, I, I was probably, uh, I guess, 12 years old. Um, I was in sixth grade. So however old you are in sixth grade, um, that was really the last time I remember, you know, going to confession and, and the pomp and circumstance or the beauty now that I come to realize of, of the mass. Um, and, uh, I was gone for a long time. I was gone for a very long time and I went very, very far away from the Lord. Um, and, you know, I'm sure as we talk, you know, the, the story comes out. Um, but I had been away from, you know, the Lord and his past and um, looking back now I can see that you know the Holy Spirit was really um, with me the entire time um, because I was on a search for truth I was on a search for truth and I was trying to figure out the answers to questions um, that arose in my life because of the suffering that I went through as a young as a young guy as a, as a child um, and that search, that honest search, even though, you know, great amount of sin along the way, there was still an honest underlying search, as there is with, I believe, um, in every sinner's life. Mm -hmm. All right. There's there's a there's a search for. Um, there's a search for a good that that is missing. And um, a lot of times it's the way that we search for it or how twisted up that um, those desires can get as a result of sin in our lives. Um, but of course, I didn't have any of any of this insight as I was going through all of this. You know, m my main perspective was that 
and I got this, you know, mainly from some of the music I was listening to when I was uh, in high school. Um, there was this mentality of, um, you know, I remember a specific, a specific song by, um, by Jay-Z. And, um, you know, he rapped something like, nobody's designed like you, you build yourself or something to that effect. And, and I really took that to heart as a young man. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in a way where I had, um, you know, men in, men in my life uh, in various um, capacities um, that, you know, I, I either looked up to or um, in some way, shape or form. Um, but, but my father specifically, um, you know, dealt with his own his own demons in his life. And um, as a consequence, um, wasn't around in my life uh, as much as I'm sure he probably would have liked to be. Um, certainly um, not enough as much as I needed him to be. So, you know, I looked up to, um, you know, entertainers and, and athletes. And, um, you know, I was an athlete myself. And, and you know, right around... Um, you know, 17, 18 years old, um, you know, I really got this, this mindset in my mind um, of my thoughts become reality, um, which, which isn't too far off. Like, it's not, it, that, that's not too far-fetched. And, and as I look back on it now, I, I, I still feel that way, but there's, there's a, it's not just your thoughts become reality. There's so much more that goes, that goes into it. Um, you know, I am not the creator right? I'm, I'm the creature. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's a certain orientation to life when you're the creature and thinking like a creature, right? There, there's no, in my opinion, there's no, um, there's no shame in being a creature, right? There's only one creator. I've come to find that. I mean, out of, you know, the entire journey of my life, I mean, I've, I've come to realize that, um, you know, th there is a God and I'm not him. Mm -hmm. um, Amen. <laughs> you know, but for the longest time, like that, you know, that was my mindset. Um, not that I'm not, you know, I didn't feel like I was God, but it was I. I'm the creator. Right. I create my reality. So I pushed and I pushed and um, manipulated and um, you know, just drove and drove and drove myself into the ground, um, and was really, you know, for a time. Um, trying to pour out of an empty cup. I guess that's you know, one of the best ways I can say it. Um, and John, because I think a lot of people can relate to this. I know I can, and I know for sure, you know, Andrew can from our conversations together, but um, where, yes, you try to become the author of your own life. <laughs> yeah. So you, you hit the nail on the head with that. But just because of the relatability factor, um, what sport did you play when you said you were an athlete? Yeah, so I mean, I played all kinds of sports growing up. Um, I was one of those kids that just changed sports with the season, but um, focused on football and lacrosse in high school and ended up uh, playing lacrosse in college at the Division One level. Um, did you? Yeah. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Where'd you play? Yeah, so uh, I actually went to West Point for the first two years of college, so I played for Army and then transferred to Drexel and finished out my career in schooling there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful experience, challenging. Yeah. Um, but um, So that's going to be interesting to tap into, too. I'm sure Andrew has some questions there on that stage, you know, of life, because truly on the surface, 
if a kid's on a Division One scholarship, young man's on a Division One scholarship at a West Point or Drexel, yeah. and their time's being occupied not only with school but also with that full-time rigorous of job of a sport, yeah. you would think that they would be on the straight and narrow, mm-hmm. like we were discussing a little bit with the Sackos last night. Right. Um, so, yeah, we need to dig into that. But you, you definitely, as you're speaking, what's coming to mind immediately is Matthew Kelly. So for anyone who doesn't know Matthew Kelly, dynamic Catholic, mm-hmm. guy's incredible. Yep. Spoke for, he's from Australia, so he's fun to listen to. Spoke for free for over two decades. I mean, it's just, you know, and he's trying to revive our Catholic church in every way possible. So, but he he is the first person that that I've ever heard say that we have a God-sized hole inside of us. Mm -hmm. And we try to take all these things and put them in our God-sized hole so ambition, success, money, you know, whatever, um, women, pleasure, sexual pleasure. What, and we, yeah. and as men, we're trying to stuff all these different things in there. And like you said, even though it's so disordered and it's so misdirected, there's actually a genuineness and a purity to it. We're guys. We're out there basically hunting, yeah. trying to like uncover as many rocks as possible and search for something good and in search for truth not realizing how much trouble we're getting ourselves in along the way. I mean, you know, but there really is a genuineness to it. It's like, Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to figure out what, you know, what's true here. And yeah, so you reminded me of that, John, is that I had that same exact issue myself. I was chasing all the wrong things, not realizing I was trying to pour something else other than God into my God sized hole. And it sounds like you were too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thanks for sharing. Yeah, God, God-sized hole. I mean, you're making me think now of, um, you know, something that's been so instrumental in my life is is studying uh, John Paul II's theology of the body, mm. um, and you know, I've studied most of it by way of the Theology of the Body Institute, um, which um, Dr. Christopher West is. Um, uh, you know, just an uh, instrumental uh, founder of that institute, um, along with uh, Jason Clark and, and the rest of his team there. Um, but, you know, the, the, one of the foundational things of, of my faith and, and my true conversion in my life is realizing that, you know, it, it, and it says it somewhere in, in the catechism as well, very early on, you know, God created us. Um, he created our hearts to yearn for him. And, you know, what I've come to realize and what I've come to learn is, and I think this is the basis of absolutely every type of suffering that, that we can feel. When you stop and think, why do I do what I do? Um, it's because you're uncomfortable, right? Um, you know, y- you, you find yourself near, um, you know, a, a hot heating element um, and it gets too hot, you know, you move away from it. Like that's simple psychology and and i think if you know we really dig down to it um and we apply that on a on a theological level um you know we have a we have a heart that will not be satisfied by anything less than infinity all right and and um what i've come to realize and and what i've come to experience um you know through prayer and 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 through my catholic faith is that this isn't an accident this isn't an accident at all um we were made this way. We were created this way by a intelligent 
omnipotent, um, absolutely all loving creator um, who has a heart that burns for us infinitely more. And so when do you feel like you came to know the creator? Because obviously it wasn't all along for you, John. No, no, it it wasn't all along. So, you know, for me, my first encounter um, with the creator and and I'm one of those guys and and I'd imagine there's other people that listen to this are the same type of guys where you learn everything the hard way. Um, For me, it took me losing absolutely everything in my life and being faced with the decision of death or accepting that there's a higher power um, to realize that. Italians get an extra dose of stubbornness. Yeah, Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, You know, but for me, it it was... um, My life had, had taken me to a place... Um, you know, just to provide some some background context here to, to, to kind of get to uh, the answer to your question. Um, you know, as a, as a very young man, as a, as a kid, um, I had moved towns. Um, you know, my mother w- was working hard and there were some fortuitous events uh, in our life that allowed us to move up the socioeconomic status uh, ladder. Yeah, I meant to ask you, where did you live? Because for, yeah. for listeners, they can, you know, sure. relate. You're yeah. a local guy. You're okay. We can still hear you. Yeah, bear with me one second. Ah, you're good. You're good. Um, so, uh, I I grew up in Delaware County. Um, you know, when I was very very young, uh, Clifton Heights. Um, I lived in, and then um, the situation I was just describing. Um, my mother and I moved to Springfield, um, and just that small, uh, that small movement. You know. Definitely a class west. separation uh, in Delaware County. Yeah, there's a there's there's really a, a uh, socioeconomic kind of um, uh, difference between those two towns, and they're just right next to each other. Um, they touch each other. And when I had moved into this new town, um, you know, along with what was going on in my life, with my struggles with my father and um, the wounds that um, were were being created through that relationship. Um, I move into this new town and, you know, as kids can be, you know, I had a really rough time, um, you know, making friends. Um, Where was he, John? Where was dad's house when you had to go over there? So he, so he lived in Clifton Heights as well. Also, okay. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was lucky that way that, you know, my entire family was really in a very kind of condensed area in Delaware County, um, which was great. Um, because obviously as I've gotten older, I've realized that that was a blessing, mm-hmm. um, to have everybody close like that. Um, so I moved to this new town and, and, uh, I just had a, you know, a, a really rough time, um, in, in connecting with these, these new kids and, and, um, you know, the things that were going on kind of, kind of at home, uh, um, you know, in the domestic area. Um, were you middle school or high school at the time? So I was just going into middle school, middle school. So, okay. I mean, just a vicious time. Public school, or did you go to Catholic? So I was a public school guy. Okay. A public school guy. Um, Which in Delco, they would refer to you as a public, we've learned. Uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I was a public then. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll wear that hat proudly. Um, but, um, you know, the way that this affected me, um, you know, I, I ate my feelings. And, and I became this chubby kid, and that made matters worse. 
because, you know, I still had this, um, you know, larger than life personality. And, um, you know, I had a really pure heart growing up, um, you know, at that age. And, um, you know, it really, it really hurt me that, you know, people could be so vicious. Um, so I was getting it at home in my domestic situation and, um, you know, uh, getting it in school and, um, you know, that really created inside of me this, um, terrible pain, this terrible deep cut wound. Mm -hmm. Um, because, um, you know, I didn't have the love of my father and now I didn't have the love of other people. Um, so, you know, in my young mind, um, growing up away from the church, you know, my thought process at that time was like, okay, I need to make people love me. I need to be who they who want, they want me, me to be. To be right? yes. So, you know, as, as our faith talks about all the time, they talk about this concept of the world, right. And, 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 and worldly success and, and, and worldly, um, desires. Um, and it's such an easy trap to fall into when you're away from, um, the source of life and the source of love and acceptance. Um, and at that time when you're hurt, mm -hmm. which is very common, this is normal yeah, no, for kids, yeah, guys, girls, kids are mean, you know, yeah, yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> it's just yeah. part of growing up and sure. especially as you're entering the teenage years mm -hmm. and all. And so this is very, very normal yeah. and very common. And thank you, by yeah. the way, for being vulnerable oh, and willing to share, but also, you know, your wounds because yeah. they've healed. So yeah. you've identified them and healed them. But yeah. yeah, very, very cool, John. And I think I think uh I think everyone can relate. We've all been kids. Yeah. At one point. And if you watch kids now, it's even worse. They're yeah. really but <clears throat> depending on what's feeding you, which in your case, like you were saying, might be the music that you're listening to. Yeah. I was like you. We listened to rap music growing up. Yeah. It was like rap or club. That's what we listened to. Yeah. Down the shore in Ventnor next to Atlantic City, it was very, it. very similar to, to this it. Delco, you know, yeah. environment. Yep. And, um, yeah, when you when you have that message, which is got to get minds, you yeah, know, and right. it, yeah. all of a sudden and you're already hurting on the inside and you're looking to please people because you're seeking just love, you yeah. know, yeah, you just want love. That's yeah. it. That's very normal. That's very common. Yeah. yeah. We're built for it. I have a couple of thoughts that came up, John. Again, I appreciate you sharing your story. Sure. Um, the first was that there's this great, there's this line from C.S. Lewis that blows me away that was brought to mind when you were talking in the beginning, which was that, um, I think I get this right, it's it's the love of God that lights the fires of hell. Mm. And that line blew me away because what he's saying is that even in hell, people are in hell because they were actually looking for God. Of course. So they they're, they're, they just mixed it up. They just got it twisted. Yeah. And so that searching for some pleasure, that searching that what they were really searching for was that connection with the infinite that you talked about. Hmm. And that's and so that line to me is the most beautiful explication of what that concept is. Yeah. That the love of God that lights the fires of hell. Those people down there are there because they just didn't quite make the connection that you're making here, which is that really you, you sort of woke up from a dream in a way and you said, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something, there's, there's something else. There's some, uh, you said, I'm looking for truth, looking for what's real. Right. And this has the patina of real, like it seems like it could be real, but I keep like running up against 
the wall. And so I need, is there anything beyond that? And then, you know, sort of as your search, so it's beautiful to hear what you're saying about this search for the truth ultimately led you beyond that. Yeah. And praise God that you were able to come through. Sounds like some difficult times. And the other thing that was, you guys were talking about this rap thing. Rap's not my thing. I'm like acoustic guitar player guy. So like I'm not really a rap thing. But I was listening to one of my favorite Catholic intellectuals, Mary Eberstadt. And she was talking about rap. She was basically saying that rap is an entire genre of music created by men from broken families. Mm. With men growing up without fathers in the home. That's the, the the entire from Eminem to all these sure. like it's sort of it's 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 what it's like to live in the sort of street life which people are living because they don't have fathers to provide that structure that they need so that they then go into the street to live it. Yeah. Right. And then rap is an explication of that life. So this is what it's like. Once, if you don't have a father in the home, you're going to go outside the home to go find your manliness, your manhood. Mm -hmm. You're going to find it in the street and, you know, in the world, as you said. And the music of rap in general, not in general, and for the most part, yes, there's examples of, right, okay, get it, noted. But in general and for the most part, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. So that related to what you were talking about, this sort of like, hey, my dad, something going on in my home. Yeah. And that music related to you, so that brought you, so it was like, it was like an accelerant in a way, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you don't have, growing up in a home without a male figure, especially your father, you you don't have anybody, and as a a man, as as a young boy growing up without a father in the home, there's no one there to pull you back and say, hey, that's not the right direction. And it's not in like a, an authoritative or, or a condescending way, but you know, as I come to understand the Father now through God the Father, um, it's it's not a it's not an author, authoritarian position at all. It's just that hey, let me let me just taper these these impulses that you have a little bit. Um, so so my impulses were allowed to to run wild or or not run wild at first, but they were allowed to just keep going and seek their end um, without anybody saying, hey, that's probably not the best. You know, my mother tried to, but, you know, um, it, it's it, not the fairness. same. No, my mother looked at me. I'd be like, you're not you're not a man like I, you, you don't know what I'm going through. Um, and, you know, God bless her because she stuck by me through absolutely everything. And, um, you know, there's I broke her heart a number of times. And, um, you know, she's one of the 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 main she's she's one of the main characters in my life that has exemplified or, or shown me an example of of mary of of mary the mother of jesus um uh with with her motherhood and, and her fearless femininity and um you know these are things um as a young man as i'm growing up and and even into my 20s um you know i'm 34 now but um you know my my major conversion really didn't happen until i was 30 um you know but back to what we were talking about in terms of of infinity um you know you you have this desire for infinity that's that's just pouring out of your chest with your heart your heart is searching it's seeking for infinity because we don't know if we're away from the church we don't know that it's 
supposed to feel like that, right? Maybe I'm not talking about you're supposed to be wounded, like there are evils in the world and this. But if God designed us from the beginning to seek infinity, what's the only thing that is infinity? What is the only thing if our hearts seek infinity and will not be satisfied until they grasp, behold infinity, what is the only thing that we can think of, if you're a believer, that can satisfy that equation? That's amazing. It's another C.S. Lewis amazing um, sort of move that he makes um, apologetically where he says, every human hunger or every human serious desire has its fulfillment, meaning you're hungry naturally and there's food. Food exists. It would be strange if you had hunger and there was no food. You have thirst. Thirst, There's there's water. Mm -hmm. And we have this hunger for meaning, for ultimate meaning, for infinitude, for absolute love. We have this deep hunger as human beings for that. So why, so why, so we're just going to bracket that off and say that every human being in every society has that. So we're just going to, we're okay to say, oh, that, that, that doesn't have a, that's not, there's nothing on the other side of that. It's really strange. Yeah. I mean, um, so, so here's how I arrived. Here's how I arrived to accept that paradigm, to accept that now that, to accept that theology. I, I'll go that far to say that. Um, I am a recovering addict and alcoholic. Um, and, you know, I, I say that to say that I have gone to extremes, which is an understatement, to try to satisfy my heart's desire for infinity, whether it be drugs, women, the pursuit of money, food, my personality is untethered. And when I didn't have a practice of building virtue in my life, the definition of addict, which I've come to learn through my studies at the Theology of the Body Institute, is pointing that desire for the infinity which is reserved for infinity alone. And if you haven't figured out by now, infinity, the only thing that's infinity is infinity, which is God. The infinite good. The definition of addict is pointing the desire for infinity at finite goods. All right? And, and the, the tragedy of, an, of, of addiction and the addict is that he's not wrong for pointing or trying to satisfy this desire for the infinity. He's not wrong. She's not wrong. She's just mistaken that she can fill it with finite goods. The only thing that can satisfy a desire for infinity is infinity. The only thing that is infinity is God. And when you come to the subjective experience of that theology, of that paradigm, of that thought, when you can live that thought from the inside out, then you can understand what Pope Benedict the 16th says as his definition of prayer. Prayer is nothing other than becoming a longing for God. That's true prayer. That is 
you as a human, your human heart desiring infinity and longing, longing, consciously longing, feeling, going into that feeling of, oh, and pointing the desire for infinity at infinity. And as Christopher West likes to talk about, um, what happens to us, and, and especially happens to us guys, but it happens to everybody, you know, we have these rocket boosters. <laughs> and he talks about uh, Eros, uh, which is the, uh, the upward impulse of the human heart towards what is true, good, and beautiful. That's the desire for infinity. That's, that's the definition of it right there, Eros, uh, a Greek word. Um, it's like a rocket booster to infinity. And sin... is, you know, when, when we turn those rocket boosters back around on ourselves because there's an illusion or there's a lie and we think, you know, by, by bringing things into us and filling ourselves with these finite goods or whatever it may be, you know, likes on a social media website, whatever it is that tickles our fancy, um, that's like taking those rocket boosters and, and pointing them back at ourselves. And um, you can imagine what would happen if you pointed a rocket booster at yourself. You'd probably get burnt or hurt or injured. Um, those are the wounds. But these wounds aren't physical. No. So you can't see you can't. them right away. Nope. There's mm. the illusion, John, Yeah, is that we're not actually directly pointing them to ourselves yeah. because all of us are intelligent enough to process that and see that yeah. coming before it happens or when it happens or directly after it happens. Yeah. The illusion, the catch, is that we're actually pointing them, as you had said, away from God, away from infinity, towards something else, not realizing that when we point them towards something else, that they inevitably make a 180 and come right. back at us. I mean, if there was a caution yeah. tape or like a sign that said, hey, don't point that rocket booster over here because yeah. it's actually going to turn right around and come hit you, we would all mm. say, totally. oh, I'm not causing harm to myself. Yeah. Forget that. You know? Right. We're not, we're not built. There's a, there's an innate psychology in our minds that we want to preserve our lives. If, if we're, if there's no damage, right? Right. You go, and we'll talk about yeah. this now, yeah. but we go down to Kensington and you pull anyone off of yeah. the street in Kensington. It's not like they were intending to be there. No. This wasn't suicide no. or like a planned. They've lost the ability to choose. Yes. Yeah. So when did this happen, John? Because I think this is a captivating part of your entire story. Yeah. Um, is when did this happen? When did you turn to drugs, yeah. alcohol? Yeah. How early on? And then when did it actually become out of control? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Before we go into sure. you know, recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for me, it starts around. Uh, around 12 years old, right? When, when, uh, I move, when I move, um, you know, by eighth grade, um, experimenting, um, with marijuana, um, you know, and, and drinking on the weekends and, you know, getting older people to buy us beer. And, and, you know, I was an athlete, so that was, um, you know, a really big part of this, um, just in my specific school, um, you know, the athletes would work hard, but they would play hard. Um, and that was my mentality for a long time, like work hard, play hard. But for me, again, having not only addiction and alcoholism in my family genes, 
um, and having a father who also, um, you know, had been rehabilitated for, for drug and alcohol addiction. Um, See, you're going down a road of playing with fire, not even realizing. I had no idea. The depth of. No, I had no idea. Of the burn that's about to come. I'm just trying to, to be come. cool. Yep. I was just trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing was, is I don't do anything a little bit. So <laughs> for me. John, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I'm it's like the Rounders movie. Yeah. I'm all in. My yeah. wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, can't you ever do anything a little right, bit or just right. half? I mean. Yeah. I mean, my, my personality um, up until a few years ago, you know, people would say to me, like, you know, why aren't you interested in many things? It's like, I, I, listen, I'm either not going to do it or I am going to work to be the absolute best at it, even if that means being the best at taking drugs and partying. Um, and having the best time and making people think that I have the best lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually a, a really strong evolution towards that that you know I can get to that, that answers your question. Um, my response to um, the pain that I felt at home and the pain that I felt uh, from, from meeting new people who didn't readily accept me um, was to dominate. And I went to the gym. And I started working out, and I started competing with with these men who who didn't accept me. Um, and at first, it, you know, I was a chubby kid, and you know, generally just the, the way physics go. All right, um, I played lacrosse and football, which are two sports. You know, football you can kind of get away with it more, but lacrosse certainly not. That was a brand new sport to me. So, you know, I found this new sport, lacrosse, and and I really enjoyed the game. But you know, for me. It was more about, I'm going to show them. And I became obsessive about training, and I became obsessive about practicing. By the time uh, I I just started playing lacrosse in in sixth grade, which is a little late, um, not too late, but a little late, and I was awful. I almost didn't even make, you know, uh, uh, the team uh, in eighth grade. Um, And I had a a coach kind of, you know, throw me a bone and, and let me make the team. Um, and then four years later, I was a first-team All-American, Central League MVP. Um, that was my mindset. It was dominate. So I was seeing the success of this dominate mentality. Um, and by this time, I had filled out. I was growing. Um, uh, I started to have interest in girls, and finally girls started having interest in me. So I get a little – I, you know, I delve into that arena, and um, now I have this you know, addiction to, to a woman's love and a woman's affection. Um, at a young age, and um, you just put something else into the yeah. god-sized hole, right? right. That the god-sized it, hole. You just pointed the rocket booster somewhere else. Somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? Because I still have no idea. Because it feels good. Why wouldn't it feel good for girls to be interested in you all mm-hmm. of a sudden? Yeah, Do, we remember this. You're a young man. You start killing it at sports, and all of a sudden, the cheerleaders are into you, yep. or the you know. Yeah. And what does that feel like? That yeah. feels great. Yeah. We understand. Especially if you've never had yeah. that type of love. If you were the chunky before. kid or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. I get it. Especially if you haven't had especially if there's a uh you know, a father sized hole mm-hmm. that you're missing in 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 love in your life. Yeah, because we all have that hole, but yours, because yeah. of what you explained, John, is a little deeper. Sure. Because of what you've yeah. just told us. Yeah. So yeah. you're really looking. You're not kind of looking for something to fill it. You're really looking for I something. Am, frantically and desperately searching for something to console me yep dominate others 
don't let people be stronger than I am. Yep. So I'm going to go to the gym if I have to. Yep. I'm going to work out, dominate on the on the field, the court, whatever yep. it is. Now I have girls, so I'm going to be, I'm going to entertain that and be the best at that too, course, right? <laughs> it's not just it's not just you know, you don't just find one girlfriend. You, no. Now can I juggle yeah. five of them all at yeah. once, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. And and that's what it became. And I took this mindset, and you know, for better or for worse, I, I, there's, there's, you know, I steal so much stuff from, from Dr. West. There's wheat and weeds in everything. It was a blessing that I used my work ethic. And to this day, like I, I've, I've, um, I, I've nurtured that work ethic and it continues to get stronger. Now there's virtue behind it so that it's pointing the right way. Um, and it's, it, it's for the kingdom of God. Um, as much as, uh, I'm consciously, uh, having it be for the kingdom of God, um, which is all part of the, the the journey of being a Christian, is is going through this this process of of, of purgation in your soul. Um, but anyway, this this mindset of domination I took into the world with me because I saw some success at it. I went to a Division One school. I, I I went you know to a private school. I went to the you know United States Military Academy, like. All of these things outside of me, I just wanted to identify with because I thought that that's what the world defined as success. And where this all ended up, fast forward a little bit, is I'm 26 years old living in a 42nd floor penthouse apartment on the lake in Chicago with a view of the entire Chicago skyline, 26 years old. And I'm making in excess of $100,000 a year at 26 years old. And I'm sitting in my apartment one day overlooking the city. And, and again, I, as, I, as you remember, in the back of my mind all of this time is, is the search for truth, is the search for meaning. So there's the spirituality to me that's still the Holy Spirit is still working in me unbeknownst to me. And I have this idea that I've accomplished everything in my mind's vision that I had been trying to accomplish for the previous 10 years. Here I am in, in my castle in the sky. Mm-hmm. You made it. Right? Right? And Yeah, you're on top. The first thought was, what's next? Mm. And then it was, oh, my God, this, this didn't fulfill me. My entire life crumbled from that moment on. Severe. The ultimate crisis of identity crisis. Everything that I identified with crumbled like sand right before me. And... I'm still empty. That's yeah. what you... It didn't fill me. It, it's gone. Mm. I have everything I ever wanted that I worked for, that I stepped over people, that I stepped, you know, for, this is just a uh, figure of speech, that you step on people on the way mm -hmm. to your dreams. Like, I got that ruthless. Dogs eating dogs. Exactly. Wonderful author, Vinny Roazzi, okay. actually from here in the Bucks oh, County okay. area, right. and wrote a book called Getting Rich with Integrity. And mm -hmm. he described that same thing, John, dogs yeah. eating dogs world. Yeah. And as men, we just go right into it and say, I'm going to be the, the, the dog that eats the other dogs. I'm yep. not going to get eaten. I'm going to mm -hmm. eat, you know? And that's such an alpha male mentality, but you were winning at it. Yeah. So since you were winning... The world's actually handing you ribbons and trophies and money and apartment and 
whatever, new girls, whatever it was, and telling you you're actually winning. Not that you, until you sit there and say, wait a second, I'm still empty. This is interesting because there's this, um, of all the addictions, Aquinas has this thing about money being the most, being a unique kind of addiction in that. So, for example, like if you're in, if you're into pizza, I say, okay, John, man, here's like 50 pizzas. Go yeah. over there. How many pizzas can you eat? Like even, even if you're like a super pizza addict, yeah. you get through two. Money, you can have Bill Gates sitting there being like, man, Jeff Bezos. Right. That dude. Right. <laughs> right? Bill Gates got $70 billion. Right. Right. So there's it's it's endless, theoretically endless. So money is an especially dangerous hole because there's no end to it. I mean, Thomas Aquinas said this. Andrew? Yeah, this is Aquinas. That is- yeah, that's um, and um. The other thing is that there's this really interesting phenomenon I was reading about where people who make a lot of money often when they when they start when they're when they become successful financially, what happens is, is there's oftentimes a psychological reckoning that comes with that. Because what happens is, is now you have all of these resources to fully be who you are. And if you're a jerk, you see that. Yeah. Now you sit, you're sitting there and you're yeah. being like, yeah. Just right? Now all, right? Because like, like before mirror. you had all these constraints on your personality yeah. in a way. And now all of a sudden, if I just throw 50 million, I know it's right, not right. that level of money, but if I just said, here's 50 million yeah. and you're there and you're, you know, you're sitting around, you're on, you're, you just look around I'm like, so this is who I am. Yeah. I can now fulfill all of my desires and this is all my desires. Yep. And how empty is this? Mm-hmm. And so it's even worse because you, you, you achieve you and you're like, wow, yeah. I'm not that cool. No, it's for me looking back on it and. This still to this day, when I when I reflect on this moment in my life, I, I re- remember it vividly, looking out, um, and it was uh, I had moved there in April, and this was in July, um, and obviously drinking and and you know party drugs, and I was a, a club guy. Um, they mess with your mind, right? You know, they, there's there's certainly effects <laughs> of doing the things that we do. Um, I recognized at that time that that realization in me was me recognizing that I was spiritually dead, that mm. I was just a shell. I didn't know where to take it at the time, but looking back, I realized that that was the moment I realized that I, my soul was dead. I was dead. I was spiritually dead. And John, if you don't mind yeah. only because we're all yeah. in the cathedrals, RCIA program yeah. together. Yeah. Father Beadricky's episode was outstanding, so if you didn't listen. Mm-hmm. But as he had said, it goes right back to the garden. And then we talked a little bit about Dr. Scott Hahn yeah. and how God says, if you eat the fruit of the tree, you will die. Right. But they didn't die, so was God a liar? No, of course he's not a liar. Mm-hmm. They didn't die physically, they died spiritually. Exactly. So, And Father Beadricky, of course, was discussing the garden with us. Yep. So that's exactly what happened to you is you ate the fruit, which was all of these outside things were pointing the rocket boosters to, right? (laughs) And instead, it didn't kill you physically yet. (laughs) It killed you spiritually, but you came to that recognition right then and there on that, that, in that 
high rise. Some chills. Yeah. Some chills thinking about that it. is powerful, buddy. Because not only that, but in that moment, I also realized that that vision that I had in my mind that whole time was the deceiver. Mm. Go after this. This is what's going to make you happy. If you go and you and you accomplish this, they're all going to love you. You're going to get the love that yeah. you want, and you get it. And it all just crumbles, and he's just standing there with those eyes. Yeah. That's the scary part of the whole journey is when you realize the devil's real. Like, people are like, oh, the devil, come on. And then you, you realize it in your own life. You're like, oh, my gosh. Or, like, I see it to me. It's so real when I go hang around the abortion clinics to pray. I yeah. just remember reminded yeah. of the deceiver. It's so obvious. Yeah. You know, you're looking and you're watching mothers go into a building to execute to find help executing their children essentially i mean that's what it is right of course so it's a lie it's the it's so to me it it that's it i'm curious your ultimate deception exactly that's the exactly right that's the ultimate deception that human life itself your life our life the baby's life is disposable if you want it to be. I can't imagine a bigger, like, I don't know. I mean, that's why I think maybe me and Pete are really into this issue because I don't, that's the foundational lie in this society. That is where the devil has has made some serious ground. But I think it was interesting what you were saying is like in my own life to realize, oh my gosh, I was being lied to by this sort of spiritual force. There is this spiritual force of darkness that exists in the world. And and if you're a young man, you're listening to this right now, take note, take note of this. It's real. You know, if God created all of this abundance in the material world, why can't there also be an abundance in the spiritual world? And so if you're playing with these drugs out there, young man, if you're out there smoking the ayahuasca or whatever the heck it is you're doing and you're playing with, you're playing with fire, you don't know what you're letting into your life. Yeah. You don't know what, and there's a great, there's a uh, plug to another podcast, uh, Pints, of Aqu- Pints of Aquinas did this great, great interview with uh, Father Vincent, somebody who's an exorcist in Indianapolis. And go look up, just look up the exorcist, look up exorcist mm-hmm. plus Pints of Aquinas, young men, and he will tell you that if you're playing in this, you know, you're, you're, if you're playing with fire in this way, you you don't know what you're bringing into your world. It's, be really, really careful. <laughs> And John, I want to know what you did next, but Andrew, it's a perfect segue into something that you and I love, which is Mother Teresa. Mm. So here in our own modern times, we're talking literally 30 years ago, less than 30 years ago, Mother Teresa speaks out about this and says the ultimate deception in our day and age is when a mother believes that the ultimate, not a deception, not one of the deceptions, right? She actually addressed this. None other than Mother Teresa comes to the United States, directs it towards the Clintons because yep. they were the, the president and the time, first lady yeah. at the time. And what I think is really powerful about this, and Andrew read this to the Roman Catholic boys when yeah. we were there speaking to Roman Catholic, is not only when, which most people have heard this part, but I want to get to the men for life part, yeah. is... She says, I feel that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion because it is a war against the child, a direct killing of the innocent child, murder by the mother herself. 
And of course, it's for convenience almost always, 98, 99% of the time. And if we accept that a mother can kill her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? Well, fast forward, here we are 28 years later, and we're just shooting people in the streets. Mm -hmm. I mean, 500 plus murders in Philadelphia, 800 last year in Chicago plus. So, but here's the part where, where it becomes personal for us as men, John, and that's what you know, you're, you're opening this up to today is by abortion, the mother does not learn to love, but kills even her own child to solve her problems. And by abortion, that father is told that he does not have to take any responsibility at all for the child he has brought into the world. The father is likely to put other women into the same trouble. So abortion just leads to more abortion. And that, Andrew, was your passion and the impetus of beginning this and the genesis of this, of Pete, we need to restore authentic masculinity back into the world today Mm -hmm. because we're being told we don't have a place here. And, And by being told we don't have a place here, they're actually giving us the free pass card to go Point those rocket boosters at the the infinite pleasure yeah. of of sex with a woman, sexual yeah. intercourse with a woman, which then leads to unplanned pregnancies, and then to just walk away and not even care because she's going to go take care of it mm. and do it over and over and over again, and that's that's where we've wound up. I'm sorry, I just yeah. had to, yeah. But I want to know, John, what did you do then? So there you are. Yeah. And now what? I mean, you realized you're you're empty. Yeah. And you realized that the father of lies was yeah, well, looking at you. Yeah, not at that time, but yeah, looking back now. Um So I, when did it happen? When did some clarity? When did, you know, like when did uh, well, your faith start to take hold or mm-hmm. or what did you do next? Yeah, I I went through the next 18 months of my life in full-blown addiction to cocaine. And um in Chicago yep. or back in, in Chicago. Chicago. And um, so you're like 26, 27, 28. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that drug in particular um, targets, you know, certain parts of your brain that are the ultimate pleasurable and reward zones. So I was hijacking my entire life and just going straight to the source. And because everything had fallen apart in my life and I, and I had no idea what to do next. And I realized that I went all of this way and it was like somebody saying, yeah, congratulations. You got everything you ever wanted. You went the wrong way. I just kind of threw up my hands in the air. I was like, what do I do now? Like my motivation, this was my motivation. This vision was my motivation and I achieved it and it didn't fulfill me. Um, this is what St. John of the Cross calls uh, the dark night. Um, this was my dark night, my severe, deep, dark, dark night. Amen. Um, mm. And I got to a point where for probably the, the, the last several months, I would say 8 to 12 months of, of my um, furious addiction, um, I prayed every night even though, you know, I hadn't been with, with, you know, faith or religion for almost 
17, 18 years. I prayed every night not to wake up the next day. And I truly meant it, right? I was done. Everything I had been through in my life, you, you know, I came all this way, put all of my life in, and put everything on the line for this vision. And I'm not happy. What stopped you to, from killing yourself then? If you're going to pray to do it, why not just get the gun and do it? I was so spiritually dead. And if, if, we, if we understand philosophy a little bit, and if we understand theology a little bit, especially if we understand Aquinas a little bit, I, I was so spiritually dead that my will was completely gone. My will to do anything was completely gone. I couldn't look at any object and have a reaction to make me behave or to motivate me to move. You weren't even motivated to kill yourself couldn't. anymore because that was... Nope. Nope. That was too much. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it. I You're didn't just... have it. I was... Blah. Parched. Just there. I yeah. was parched. Mm. I had no living water left inside of me. Mm. I had no spiritual life left inside of me. Because not only at that point where I realized that I was spiritually dead, I also realized that there were two worlds. There was the visible and the invisible. And I had not nurtured the invisible world inside of myself, that portion of me, which is the true portion of me, ever. And you now just found out it truly exists. Well, after about 18 months of addiction and then realizing this was my prayer where everything changed. Okay, God, you won't kill me. Help me. Mm. I was that desperate. And it was just that little bit of willingness, that small spark. That was, that's all the Holy Spirit needs is a little crack of willingness. I always say it's like the little crack in the opening of the door so the Holy Spirit can open it all the way if we, right? (laughs) Ooh, did it blow open that door. And it didn't happen right away, but over the next, you know, over the next 15 months, um, my parents sent me a plane ticket and I was living, as I said, in this gorgeous apartment in Chicago. I hadn't paid rent in a number of months and, and... my awesome roommate was footing the bill for me. So I really was just killing every relationship I had. Um, the things that you think that go along with addiction. I mean, I was. The Sackos just discussed this last yeah. night, John. So honestly, perfect yeah. timing for you to yeah. say that is when we become all about ourselves, not only are we killing ourselves, we're killing yeah. everyone around us also. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or the relationships, we don't even yeah. develop genuine relationships yeah. where you care more about a friend yeah. than you do yourself. Like you're going to you're going to let that roommate foot the bill and this is your friend. Yeah. What kind of friend lets what the of, Yeah. And it wasn't a cheap apartment. Right. <laughs> um but he did it. Um and um He was a good friend to you at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, were struggling. He was great. He was really great and I know he was scared. Um, and I kept telling him, I'm all right. I'll get through it. I'll get through it. I had no idea where we were. Yeah, because we're men. We're always fine. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Good. I'm, I'm fine. Good. Yeah, I'm it. good. Yeah. Um, still trying to do it myself. But um, what happened to me was is, I mean, the same thing happens to us as what happens to stars. All right. They, they burn bright. They burn bright. But they're burning on their own. And then they explode. And then they suck everything in like a black hole. And that was me. Mm. To be around me was to be in the presence of a black hole. Um and when I asked God to help me, when I fired myself as the head coach of my life 
and turned it over to him <laughs> and said, all right, I did it my way. I almost killed myself, right? And I ran myself into the ground. I spiritually died, all right? Now let's do it your way. I eventually went back to confession, which I now know. Every time we step into the booth, Jesus has his own personal lighter that just lights us back up, all right? And that spiritual death that I had in an instant. When was it? Do you life. remember? Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, April of uh, 2019. And Beginning yep. of the COVID thing. Uh, no, the COVID was 2020. So yes, you're like a year before. Yeah. Oh, you're, okay. Yeah. So Pete, that's like your Galatians line. Your favorite Pete's favorite Galatians 2:20. Uh, right. I was favorite. trying. I was trying to quit this this addiction, and when I came home, I still had the addiction. Um. I don't know what happened. I read one of Matthew Kelly's books. Um, Which one? Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's white and blue on the front. Um, it's about rediscovering rediscovering catholicism <laughs> it's about that's the name of the book rediscovering catholicism which had been given to me by uh, a, a boss of mine several years earlier in like 2012 and i just i didn't have the capacity for it so i go to i eventually i lose uh, I, there's nothing i can turn to to try to kick this habit and i'm really trying i'm really trying to kick this and i'm driving uber because i can't get a job and I just happened to pass by um, EWTN on Sirius Satellite, uh, Sirius XM, and I'm listening to Father Larry Richards. Oh, my God. One of my favorites. Oh, man, he's a hard hitter. I needed him at that time. Mm-hmm. But he ends up talking about – oh, uh, he's good. He's one of my favorites yeah. that brought me back to yeah, my he would, mm-hmm. He's perfect for this podcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so – a reason for our hope, by the way, if you want to look oh, up. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Reason for yeah. our hope.org. Yeah. Father Larry Richards. Yes. Anyway, he's explaining about how a Catholic comes back into communion with the church. And it's this thing called a general confession. I'm like, I, I need one of those. Like, for some reason, I look back on it now, it's the Holy Spirit working in my heart. This is like a Tuesday at like 11 a.m. I'm driving Uber, I'm by the airport, and like this wave comes over me. I'm like, I need a general confession. Right now, right now I need this confession. So I don't know what to do. So I call St. Eugene's, the place where I got my sacraments of initiation. And I call and I say, you know, the woman picks up the phone and says, uh, in the rectory, she says, um, you know, St. Eugene's, how can I help? And I'm like, uh, I need a confession. Like, that's that's just what came out. I need a confession. And um, she goes, y- you know, can't you wait until the weekend? Like, this is a Tuesday. Like, le- I'm like, no, I need to come right now. Um, I love the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. <laughs> and she she says, hold on a minute. And I can hear her talking to the priest in the background. Um, and uh, she says, yeah, the priest is here. He says, can you come over right now? I said, yeah, I'll be there. 20 minutes. I went there, and I, I said, I haven't been to confession in 18 years. I'm addicted to drugs, and I don't know what else to do. And I just, I need, I need God back. I need God in my life. I'm ready. I'm ready to, to, to see what this is about. And wow. Yeah. Um, my, my general confession lasted like probably 25 to 30 minutes. I just went from square one and went all the way through it. And then he hung out with me for like three hours. 
and we just walked around and we talked and the priest did yeah and he welcomed me back um and from there um i didn't have a job so i started going to mass on sundays and then i started reading scripture and when i started reading scripture stuff started hitting me for the first and i had tried to read the bible so many times in my life like i was i i can genuinely say i've been on a search for truth for most of my life because of what i went through when i was younger um made me want to search for answers of, of why why me why suffering um and i tried to read it many times i went to that general confession and i think i had just been open enough in my life um that it started working john you just said something that i think is so critical and it's why we're catholic you don't have to be catholic it's okay but for us why we are catholic is there's nothing that is going to allow us to to create a fertile dwelling place for jesus to come into us Mm -hmm. like the sacrament of confession Mm. so you actually had to be clean, not physically clean of soul and spirit yeah. in order for him to come into you for um, essentially the first time, yeah. you know, in yeah. your adult life, yeah. 18 years yeah, for him to come in and he couldn't come in because it wasn't fertile yet. So now, now when you read, it actually made sense. I hadn't taken a spiritual breath in 18 years yeah. or more, right? So when we sin... For a very crude example, when we sin, the flame of the Holy Spirit that lives within us goes out. We, in a kamikaze type of move, sever the connection between us and God. He doesn't sever it. Mm-mm. We cut ourselves like we're a branch on a tree. And as the branch, we cut ourselves off of the tree and we fall to the ground. When we go into confession, Jesus has his lighter. Boom. Mm. And he lights us back up. And for anyone listening, just Google welcome home, Jesus, and just click on images. Those are like my favorite pictures, my favorite images, because that's essentially the sacrament of confession. It's like him with the arms out saying, finally, you're back. Welcome home. He doesn't care. No, and I wish we were. you could see us live, because as John started describing this story of being in the car and calling, you could see his body language change. It's like he's even filled up with the Holy Spirit now, yeah. just telling the story yeah. of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, totally. John, did you um, have any communication with your father after this, sort of like after you're coming back to the faith? Oh. Sort of like coming back to to uh, the Holy Father, but then I wonder how it related to your your earthly father. If it mm. did, I don't know. Mm. So this is something that has been a very big struggle for me because of my relationship with my father for a long time, up until fairly recently, and it's still something I'm working through with my spiritual director and also in my own prayer time. I can look at Jesus on the cross looking up to his father, obeying his father and loving his father and knowing that his father loves him. I can look at that. I can look at another man out and just on the street with his son and look at that and say, that's beautiful. That's really, there's something special there. But I had never experienced subjectively through my own experience what it's like to be loved by my father. Mm. And 
that was hard for me. Like that part of the Trinity, the God, the Father. I can identify with Jesus. That's my, that's my brother, my Lord and brother. I can identify with the Holy Spirit. That's his spirit, right? That's the divine spirit. But when it comes to God the Father, I'm like real standoffish with God the Father, right? The, the first person of the Trinity. Um, and I'm really, really starting to have encounters with the Father, right? Encounters with the first person of the Trinity. And that's a place that has to heal in me, right? And that's why for the longest time I had so much trouble going to God. I would go to like these new age gurus like Deepak Chopra and Eckhart Tolle and these guys who were trying to tell me that I could just refine my brain and what I thought became reality. Like, yes, we are co-creators, but that completely takes out and disrespects the creator. And it, and it doesn't infuse the fullness of truth, which I believe Catholicism is. I believe all of these other religions have bits and and our and our faith proclaims this the catholic faith there are elements of the truth in all of these other traditions but the catholic faith the church that jesus founded again here comes my perfectionist trying to be the best i want to be with the best church what's the church that god himself founded that was the catholic church sign me up that was that was what it took but that was the holy spirit pulling me in just so happened that I was baptized a Catholic. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll just go back to my church. Right. Do you hear this, young men? For any young man who, for whatever reason, my brother died. My niece yeah. and nephew grew up without a father, yeah. you know. Or we have 50% of marriages ending up in divorce. Or maybe you just didn't have that loving father figure, you know, as you were describing, John, and it's okay. Mm. This is normal for a lot of men and young men. I've heard people say this that are in their 70s and yeah. 80s, you know, men on retreat and stuff like that. So, John, this is real. And um, Father Mike Schmitz does a, a brilliant job on one of his, um, which can you know, obviously be listened to on YouTube, is yeah. um, describing this, the true love of our father, mm. you know. But, Andrew... Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Because this is like right in your wheelhouse of where you turned. Yeah, well, what I was thinking about was the importance of this show that we're doing, in my mind, is to try to educate the next generation of men, of young men, to not do this. Because what was, your whole story, what's resonating with me, is this idea that if we fail as men, it's not just that our lives get screwed up. <sighs> It's like this thing gets passed down to your sons and your daughters who don't have you. So it's so important if you're a young man and you're listening to this show, which is the point of the show, is that it matters. Your life matters. How you live your life matters. Yeah. really matters in a profound way. And so it's not... And, and what we talked about before we got on, John, was this idea that even though it's not popular in our popular culture it's true what the catholic faith teaches and the path we just had the sackos on and the path that if you follow it you stay away from the drugs and you stay away from the self the fulfilling of the infinite with the finite the attempt to 
Mm-hmm. If you stay away from that and you just point it towards God and you, you follow the right way, as old-fashioned and unpopular as that sounds, is the right way. And, uh, and thank you. I mean, we have to end. We're going to have somebody coming in here. But yeah. your testimony was so powerful to me personally. And you know, we really appreciate it. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing to share struggles and to share difficulties. Sure. And, um, but your story can lift up other people and show that you found the right way and they can. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're struggling, remember in John's story what he said was that all it took was a little ask for help, just asking for help. Say, Holy Spirit, come. So if you're listening, try that now. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Ask God for help. There is help, but you have to ask. If you don't ask, you're not choosing. You're, 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 you're not looking in the right He's place. He's a gentleman. Exactly. He's not going to come in unless you ask. So, John, maybe you could take us out in prayer, and uh, we'll, we'll end the This Men for Life podcast. And again, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. John, that was incredible. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man, that was great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being in the room today. And we thank you for the fire that you have ignited in each of our souls. The fire that makes us get up in the morning and be excited to go tell people about you and what you've done for us. Because the byproduct of our connection with you and spreading the love that you fill our cups up with is joy. And we've never felt joy until we met you. Thank you, Father, for everything that you give us. I ask you, please, in a special way, to bless the men of this podcast, the listeners, that they may know the love that you have allowed us to feel. And we pray all of this in your son's holy name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, 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 Son, Son, and Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. you. Signing off.